Today's scripture comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray. As we reflect on these words of Isaiah, we come to you with humble hearts. We acknowledge, Lord, your almighty power and your deep love for us. Like clay in the hands of a potter, we are shaped and formed by your will. Help us to trust in your perfect design, even when we face trials and uncertainties. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, Faith Westwood. Good morning to all who are on site as well as those who are worshiping with us online. It is so good to be here with you in this Advent season. We get to share new, I get to share new traditions and rituals with you and we get to share the hopes and fears of all the years, right? And I am so excited to share these with you. So I want to ask you a question. Are you ready to rejoice? Yes. All right. Now, in fact, when Blanketed with Prayer Group heard that we were going to be focusing on what it means to rejoice during Advent, they decided to make some crocheted stars, one for every person in the church family. So after worship, I would invite you to please pick up a star, and this can have multi-purposes. This can be a bookmark, this can be an ornament, this can be a prayer, like a prayer square. This could be a prayer star. Um, but please, take one as a reminder of this season and an opportunity to rejoice. Now, as we rejoice, we're going to be preparing for the birth of Jesus from the perspective of the prophet Isaiah. And so today, we're going to rejoice with ancient voices. Now, some of you may want to follow along as we explore God's word today, whether you're using your personal Bible or even a Bible app. And the page number for our pew Bibles is listed on the screen. Would you please join me in prayer? Almighty God, open our ears that we may hear your word. Open our eyes that we may see your glory in our midst. And open our hearts that we might know your spirit's presence with us in these moments. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, Advent is here, and as we count down to Christmas, the sounds of the season bless us. The most popular Christmas songs are based on the number of recordings, so see if your favorites are included on these lists. The most popular secular songs include White Christmas, The Christmas Song, and the one that was made famous by Wham. 
you know, the one that shall be remain unspoken during the season. I also found out that on the list is Jingle Bells, but there is some question about whether Jingle Bells was written to be a Christmas song or whether it was actually written to be a Thanksgiving song. So you can inquire about that. The most popular sacred songs include Ave Maria, Away in a Manger, O Holy Night, and Silent Night. And other top lists would be remiss if they didn't include songs like I'll Be Home for Christmas and There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays. The sentiments of these songs remind us what the season is all about. Family, friends, our faith, and home. The decorations in our homes and in our church home, as well as all of the rituals and traditions, the food and the memories, make home a special place during the holidays. Now, the Advent season, though, is also about another kind of homecoming where we focus on the homecoming of Christ to redeem and renew this earth. As we also prepare for the second homecoming in Christ in his final glory, we remember the words of our communion liturgy when we all feast at his heavenly banquet. In addition, Advent is marked with expectation, anticipation, and longing. We expect to be inspired by the special songs and the decor of the season. We anticipate the opportunity to be inspired by the gifts of the season. And we long for days gone by while we wait for what is to come. Our focus passage today then speaks of the sense of expectation, anticipation, and longing. The prophet's words note that sense of what it meant to be in waiting for something that God's people so desperately wanted and needed in their lives. Verses 1 through 4 speak of the people's relationship with God. The presence of God is powerful, yet Isaiah proclaims, Oh, that you would rend, that means tear open, the heavens and come down. This was going to cause a stirring in all of creation as well as among the people. The contemporary English Bible version says it this way, if only, if only God's presence would be known among God's people. In ancient days, there were natural signs of God's presence that made the name of God known to his enemies and even caused them to tremble. God has done amazing and awesome things, even things that the people didn't expect, and yet he, they, he knew that they could never fully comprehend it. Isaiah says, in fact, no one has been able to hear, to perceive, and even to see any God besides the Lord God Almighty. And God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Advent reminds us that we need to hear the ancient voices and claim the theme of seeing God. The prophet acknowledges the pain of God's people in his day as they experienced exile and then coming out of exile. But what if God could be revealed to all nations and peoples? In this season of anticipation, where are we seeing God at work? If we recognize that there are people in our day who are longing for evidence that God truly exists... How can our witness make a difference to them? Now, seeing God at work in the world was very important to God's people, yet they still experienced a distinctive separation. Verses 5 through 7 address that separation from God. The Lord comes to the help of those who do right, 
Yet the prophet acknowledges that sin has separated God's people from their God, even causing God to be angry. So Isaiah asks, how then can we be saved? All are unclean, like filthy rags, shriveled up leaves. And just like the wind blows the leaves around, sin sweeps God's people away from being in relationship with God. This is so pervasive that God's people struggle to even call on the Lord's name or even try to take a hold of all of God's promises. They found themselves in exile because God was wooing them to return to him and the people's hearts were hardened and unable to do so. And even returned to their land, they feel like foreigners. They wonder if God is actually, has actually hidden his face from them and let them succumb to their sin. I read that worse than exile was God, people, Israel's identity crisis and the spiritual apathy that they had back at home. Ouch. So the Advent season reminds us then that confessing is good for the soul. Isaiah makes a confession on behalf of all of Israel. This kind of communal confession was not uncommon for God's people. So this invites us to consider what social ills and sins of our day might we confess. What weighs heavily on your mind and your heart and your spirit? If confession really is good for the soul, then the practice of it should draw us closer to God and to his son. This separation kept God's people from living their best selves as well as from receiving the best that God promises. They needed to confess so that they could renew their confidence. And verses 8 and 9 today then proclaim the confidence in God. Isaiah boldly proclaims, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Confidence is renewed when the prophet, on behalf of the people, remembers the work of the creator. And then Isaiah prays that God would relent from being angry and remembering the people's sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are your people. I want you to consider a modern paraphrase of this passage. If only God would be made known to us, we would be good. If only God would be made known to us right now, we could focus our attention on God and not so much on our sins. If only it was that easy in Isaiah's day as well as in our own. What the prophet Isaiah attempts to convey to God's people, Israel, is that hope is on the way. Isaiah summons the Lord God in such a way to demonstrate the expectation, anticipation, and longing of what has been promised to God's people. Another way for us to look at the Advent season is to think about it being a season of watching and waiting. Perhaps we, could, perhaps we should say that it is a season of active waiting. Unfortunately, we tend to get into this season. We find ourselves focused on waiting for the next holiday event. The next time we have to take cookies somewhere. The next time we have an event or a gathering. 
In fact, if we are honest, we may find ourselves dreading the busyness of the season and everything that needs to be done on our to-do lists. Of course, the Advent season lends itself to actively watching and waiting. We are counting down until Christmas. We are claiming hope and peace and joy and love. And yet, there is a sense of uncertainty every year when we enter into this season. What tragedies and natural disasters will our world face or continue to face? What disappointments and frustrations will we experience? Our faith ancestors in the early church lived into that uncertainty too through their exile, return home, and then in the uncertainty of living in oppression. They needed to remember that their loving God would never leave them nor forsake them. So how might we live differently knowing that in our uncertain and ever-changing world, that God is ever-present. Advent 2001 is forever etched into my mind. At the beginning of that Advent season, I was pregnant. My appendix was removed around Thanksgiving. See, it wasn't the only Thanksgiving that was different. (laughs) But in those moments, I found myself on bed rest. In December, I remember going to the doctor with Clint And the doctors urged us to name the baby, not believing that I would ever make it to full term. We named her Emma. The middle name to be determined. Those moments of uncertainty made it difficult to find hope. And I have to admit that that Advent season had me imagining all of the uncertainties that were before us. But then... The Advent season spoke to me. The stories spoke to my heart when I remembered that Mary herself experienced that uncertainty. That gave me courage to be watching and waiting in that hope. So while we are watching and waiting, there might be something else that we need to be aware of. You know, we often talk about the fear of missing out meaning that people are so afraid that they are going to miss out on something exciting. But I want to talk about the hope of not missing out, meaning that we want to claim hope and not miss out on the importance of the Advent season and the gifts that it has to offer to us. Our faith ancestors and these ancient voices were longing for something. Do you remember who it was? the Messiah. They needed hope. And the prophet Isaiah, in his entire prophecy, wanted to reassure God's people that when the Messiah came, all things would be reconciled and all things would be made new again. Our hope was, is, and will be found in Jesus Christ. Or as Jürgen Moltmann describes, the kingdom of God in person. The historical person of Jesus revealed God's kingdom as well as God's core values. Jesus would bring a renewal of faith through his preaching and teaching and healing. Christians today recognize that that faith of our ancestors and the opportunity to rejoice with those ancient voices. We remember the hope that was experienced during Jesus' earthly ministry. We also remember that we are to be longing for Christ's return. 
I know that this isn't something that we're very comfortable talking about, is it? Sometimes it even sounds strange or or weird to us. But we are talking about expecting, anticipating, and longing for Christ's return. And the Advent season invites us to do just that. So what if we allowed this season of active waiting to be focused on the kingdom that we experience in the here and now and the kingdom that awaits us when Christ does return in final victory? In the coming of God, Moltmann reminds us that the kingdom that we speak about embraces some very important things. First, the kingdom is for all people. It cares about the relationships between all people. According to Moltmann, and I quote, the kingdom is not one of exclusion, but of inclusion. Not one of revenge, but compassion. Not one of justice alone, but justice that is tempered with mercy. Because we have a compassionate God and Savior, we are compelled to demonstrate this compassion so that all of God's people can experience peace and justice and mercy today. And second, this kingdom includes all creation. As humans, perhaps we become a little self-centered about this relationship between God and humanity. But the kingdom of God is not just about human history. Humans are part of a greater community initiated in the Garden of Eden when God created earth and all that was in it. The Genesis story reminds us that that we are compelled to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to humanity. And we are also compelled to work for ecological peace, recognizing that God's kingdom is not complete until all all of creation is redeemed in the kingdom. Remember that the prophet Isaiah would even describe a time when the wolf would live with the lamb, the leopard would live with the goat, and they would be led by a child. The third thing that we need to embrace today is that this kingdom is built by the church. That means that we must constantly reorganize and recenter ourselves around the kingdom of God to remember that until Christ returns, we must be focused on our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The ministry of our church should direct people toward Jesus Christ to fulfill his ministry, to bring healing of the body, mind, and spirit to all people. I want to invite you to claim the following quote from Moltmann. Advent is a time for taking stock of our lives and actions in light of the kingdom of God which entered human history with Christ but still awaits completion. Our expectation of the coming Lord demands that we anticipate in our actions the kingdom with which he has identified himself and will bring to us. In the Advent wreath lighting, we heard words from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, where Jesus says, stay awake, or another translation says, stay alert. We remember that Jesus offered words of warning to his disciples and to the crowds, even telling parables about those who fell asleep and even those who lost interest while waiting. We believe that Jesus Christ is indeed coming again. And you and I are invited to rejoice in these ancient voices and to do so in hope 
never in despair. Now, contrary to what the Christmas songs proclaim, it is not always the most wonderful time of the year. Not all are able to say, I'll be home for Christmas. And the concept of a silent night just might be an urban legend. But even so, we move through this Advent season with hope embedded within our minds, our hearts, and our spirits. How will this season of Advent allow you to focus on the kingdom of God and to be filled with expectation, anticipation, and longing? May we find hope in the one who was, who is, and who is to come. And may we rejoice with the ancient voices. Amen.